I have many friends who have died at sea because of this difficult life. We live in poverty. It's about frustration. I think people are no longer afraid of dying. Sadly, there just hasn't been a change. You only have to look at the last few months and how migration is growing exponentially again. We're talking about more than a thousand people who've died just since the beginning of 2021. You wake up and you ask, where is Mustafa? Where is Salyu? They tell you, he's gone to sea. Hello and welcome to the Info Migrants podcast, Tales from the Border. I'm Emma Wallace. In this first episode, we start in the West African state of Senegal. Europe is a very long way away, across the Atlantic Ocean, the crashing waves, and thousands of kilometers of water. My name is Salamba. I'm 24 years old. I tried twice to go to Europe, but it never worked. I had no money to pay for it. I had ambitions and dreams. It didn't work out. I wanted to go to Europe to study, to continue my studies and become a chemist. These dreams of success overseas are common to many of those who migrate. With rising unemployment and dwindling opportunities at home, more and more young people in Senegal, especially those who can't afford to continue their education but want to, think if they can make it to Europe, new opportunities might await. It was the same story back in the first years of the new millennium when the last big exodus happened. Mbai Babakar Diouf was just 15 when he left for Europe back in 2003. My father died when I was seven, and after that the conditions we lived in were not good. My mother wasn't able to work very much. We didn't have much, we weren't able to eat every day, and even when we could eat, not three times a day. Things were very difficult. I was going to school, to the high school, and I had good marks. I was a good student, but I couldn't afford to keep studying right up to university. So I decided to go and talk to the people who organized the boats to Spain. I also saw people at the time who had already gone to Spain and they looked like things were going well. When they came back, they brought presents for their families and for their children. Their families ate every day, they had nice things. Everyone in Senegal saw that and thought, I want what they have. It was with these ideas in our heads that we believed that paradise is in Europe and Europe is a paradise. So we would give anything to get there, to get on and to make something of ourselves. But we soon discovered that there was a very different reality in Europe. When we got there, we saw a totally different side of it all. But by then, we'd already decided to leave for Spain. We used to say back then, Barça o Barça, either we go or we die here. On the 16th of October 2003, we arrived on Tenerife. It was a very difficult journey. There were 138 of us in our pirogue, so there was a lot of people crammed on the boat. 
We didn't have a clue where we were going. There were some fishermen and they knew the route to get to Mauritania and Morocco, but they didn't really know the route to Tenerife. So we really didn't know what we were doing. The journey took 10 days. We didn't have enough to eat, so we resorted to eating one day on and one day off. Then, on the eighth day, when we were getting close to Spain, we saw people who had died in their boat. There were people who had set off the week before us, and they died during the journey to Tenerife. When we saw these people dead in their boat, we had a lot of different things running through our heads. We could have been those dead people. We could have been in that earlier boat. Would this happen to us, we thought? Since we also didn't know where we were going, we nearly lost it. But somehow we managed to stay calm enough to continue. And two days later, we finally sighted land and arrived in Tenerife. Here I am. My name is Boubacar Seye. Since 2019, numbers have been rising steadily once again, says Boubacar Seye, the president of the NGO Horizons Sans Frontières, Horizons Without Borders. In 2020, over 23,000 people reached the Canary Islands from Africa. Over 43,000 arrived in Spain. By summer 2021, more than 7,000 people had arrived on the Canary Islands over the Atlantic route. Up until July 2021, more people were arriving every month on the Canary Islands than did in the equivalent month in 2020. Some fear that history may be repeating itself, since the reasons for leaving haven't changed. Sadly, there just hasn't been a change. You only have to look at the last few months and how migration is growing exponentially again. We're talking about more than a thousand people who've died just since the beginning of 2021. But what is actually going on in Africa is a total failure. The policies for young people in Africa are just not working. That's why Horizon Sans Frontières are calling on African countries to step up and take responsibility and do the honorable thing and start thinking about how to provide for their young people. Boubacar Say's views on how African states should be tackling this problem are not always welcome in the corridors of power. They have seen him enter into direct conflict with the Senegalese government under President Macky Sall. Horizon Sans Frontières is an association defending migrants' rights in Senegal. My organization was created in Spain in 2006. I wanted to come back to Africa to really start educating people and talking about the subject of clandestine migration, which unfortunately plagues the entire African continent. As Say says, more and more young people from Senegal and many nearby countries, including the Gambia, Mali and Ivory Coast, are taking their chances crossing the Atlantic in the hope of reaching the Spanish archipelago, the Canary Islands and ultimately the EU. Many don't even tell their closest relatives they're about to leave, but most people in the country understand the motivation behind it even if they themselves have not been tempted to get in a boat, as these young Senegalese told our reporter Emmanuel Londe in the capital, Dakar. 
pour ma part, je pense que c'est pas quelque chose de bon, même si... In my opinion, migration is not something that's good. But I don't want to condemn those who do migrate because I think there are always reasons why someone chooses to migrate. For the most part, they are people who are really living through ordeals here in Senegal. And they think that if they set off over the sea, they might find the success they hope for. But, you know, it is not good because that chance of success is not really there. Over there, there are not the opportunities they think there are. It is very dangerous trying to cross the sea. You might not even make it at all. And if you do make it over the sea, you will be put in a camp. So, I wouldn't do it. You need papers in order to work over there. So you might spend up to four years over there and then be returned to your country and then you have to start again from zero. I think the experiences of migration depend on the person. Sometimes it can be good, sometimes it can be bad. People hope that they might improve their lifestyle. Often, they have been disappointed by life. People don't even hide it anymore. It is just part of everyday life a reality nowadays. Many don't arrive, but some do. Even if they get returned, they will often try again a month later. I think people are no longer afraid of dying. They have seen everything that can happen. So they are just not scared of death. Migration is still going on, but what has changed recently is that even those with diplomas and educational certificates are now thinking about leaving. A lot of people feel a huge societal pressure. That is what's pushing young people to set off over the ocean. It is often the eldest child. They will hear people saying, you are the man of the family. Or, it is not normal that your friends in the neighborhood, they are married. They are earning their living and making good money. They are fathers, and you have a diploma and you still can't find a job. It is born out of frustration. It is this sense of frustration that they are made to feel which pushes them to cross the ocean. That is the essence of it. My name is Mohamed Fay. I'm a tailor and I was born here in Senegal, more precisely in Tiroir-sur-Mer in Dakar. Tiroir-sur-Mer, Tiroir-en-Sea, is a fishing village not far from the Senegalese capital, Dakar a village where the lanes are sandy and the buildings unfinished. Grey cement breeze blocks line the narrow winding passageways. Tiroir-sur-Mer was once known as a village with no men after hundreds of young men boarded fishing boats to Europe in the mid-2000s. It's a bit sad that boys go to Europe to find work, to earn a living without staying here in Senegal. In my opinion, it's sad. Well, I've never tried to leave. I've never tried to go to sea because I was able to find work here. My parents told me to stay here and work for my future. Mohamed Fai's profession offered him an opportunity, something that many young people lacked then and now, as the traditional fishing industry finds it cannot compete with foreign-owned trawlers, which environmental campaigners and fishermen say are depleting the fish stocks in local waters. International companies have taken over many of the fishpacking firms too, offering what locals say is badly paid, dangerous and unstable piecework to pack fish and ship them thousands of miles around the world to sell at a profit. Money that doesn't filter back into the local economy. I have many friends who have died at sea because of this difficult life. 
We live in poverty. You wake up and you ask, where is Mustafa? Where is Salyu? They tell you, he's gone to sea. You won't hear from them for two, three or four days or a month. Not telling anyone was exactly what Mbaye Babakar Diouf did when he left home at 15. I wasn't scared because for us there was no alternative. I saw the journey as an opportunity to get to Europe. It was almost impossible for us to actually fly to Europe, so I made the decision all alone. If I had told my mom what I was doing, she wouldn't have let me go, so I had to lie to her. I told her, I'm going off to play football with my friends for a few days. She asked, how long? I said, oh, three or four days, something like that. It was only nine months later that I finally told her I was in Spain, as I wasn't able to talk to her for that long. I was told by a friend of mine that she thought I was dead, that I died at sea all that time. Many people try several times to make it. 41-year-old Abdul Ndoy was one of those. The first time, there were 100 of us on the boat, but after 15 days at sea, there were deaths and we came back. People threw themselves into the water because they were so scared, they were tired. Afterwards, I thought about it every day, but now I've put it behind me. I wanted to try to leave to help my family, that's why I left. I thought I would find work. I worked to get 400,000. I did a lot of work to get the money to leave. I paid the smugglers, the owners of the pirogue, to leave. I was young at the time, and I wasn't afraid. He boarded a boat again the following year, but this time the boat owner took him for free. As a trained mechanic, he was meant to help if the boat got into trouble on the journey. They made it, but he stayed one month before being sent back to Senegal. I wasn't happy when I learned we were being repatriated because I knew what was waiting for me here. No money and no work. The UN Migration Agency, the IOM, tries to keep track of and record the numbers of people who die or go missing on their journey to Europe as part of their Missing Migrants project. They say that from January to June 2021, 6,984 people arrived in the Canary Islands from West Africa and at least 250 died or disappeared. The actual numbers of people who didn't make it, though, are unknown because, as the IOM says, they can't get access to data on how many are rescued and brought back to the countries they leave from. Caminando Fronteras, a Spanish NGO, says that by summer 2021, nearly 2,000 people had already died on the route since the beginning of the year. Although Mbaye Babacar Diouf arrived safely in Spain on his attempt, life was not easy there, especially at first. Le Getting used to society in Europe and finding your feet is so complicated, it can take 10 years at least. It is really, really difficult and very complicated. You don't have any papers, you are scared, you experience racism. You are scared of people, some people are racist, you are officially not allowed to work, which can lead to the kind of exploitation we see, for instance, in the agricultural sector, in the fields. You get exploited if you end up selling goods on the streets too. 
that's what I had to do. And I was stopped at least three or four times by the police. When I arrived, I was so, so happy though. I thought we are the lucky ones, we have made it. I thought I had the world in my hands, the world at my feet. We were so, so happy those first days, because that was our dream, our aim, just arriving in Europe. We looked around everywhere happily, but little by little, day by day, we realized that this was not the reality, and our dream turned sour. Part of the reason life was difficult is because Mbaye had to pay back more than 4,000 euros for his passage to Europe, which cost him double as he had no money to pay up front. And then he had to also pay for all the merchandise he lost every time the police rounded him up. All in all, he says, it took him more than eight years to pay the money back to the gangs which work in Africa and Europe and make sure that they recuperate all their costs from those who do make it several times over. La mafia, the mafia controls us. They know where we are. They have two groups and work both in Senegal and Spain. They have a big network. So I had no choice but to work. Because if I had tried to escape them, they threatened to kill my family. I had to pay the money back, and so I had to start work. One chance meeting, though, helped to turn his life around and got him out of the cycle of poverty, exploitation and illegal work which consumed many of his compatriots. Whilst working in a bar, Mbai met a retired teacher and father of grown-up children who had moved out. The man first asked him to work in his home and later they became friends and the man offered Mbai a place to live and a chance to study. Eventually, Mbai was adopted by the man, which has enabled him to find his place in Spanish society and realize his dreams of studying to become a nurse, just like the Red Cross nurses who greeted him on the dockside when he first made land in Tenerife. When I arrived, I met volunteers from the Red Cross. I didn't know who they were at first, and I asked, what are you doing? And they told me they were volunteers with the Spanish Red Cross. We are here to help you and care for you. I thought right away, what a beautiful profession, what a great job. And I would love to be able to do your job myself in a few years in the future. I have been back to Senegal more than three times now because I met someone who was able to adopt me and give me Spanish nationality. So now I have Spanish papers. I met him in 2011 and then in 2017 I was able to return to Senegal and see my family before I finished my nursing studies. Then I went back again in 2018 and that was when I decided to create an NGO, to create more work opportunities for people in Senegal. So when I was over there that time, I went back to the village where I took the pirogue, in the south of Senegal, in Casamance. Now he's hoping to make sure that other young Senegalese don't have to go through the same hard times he faced. That's why Mbai set up an NGO to create opportunities back home for work and education. Our 
My organization is called Sunugal. That means our canoe or our pirogue in one of the main languages of Senegal, Olof. It is about informing young people about the reality in Spain. I want them to know what it will be like for them when they arrive in Spain. Bubakar Say's NGO is also trying to give more options to the young in Senegal. He thinks that part of the reason that African governments don't want to tackle the problem of migration is because it provides a useful escape valve for failing economies. If the young continue to think they will obtain better opportunities elsewhere, they won't rise up at home and ask why there are not enough for them there. Say thinks, though, that if and when they do decide to rise up, there will be trouble ahead. We're talking about a social bomb. I always say that when the youth really decide to rise up, things will get very, very difficult. It'll be a security issue. Inequality is affecting the majority, but people are doing nothing. We really need to sit up and take notice of this problem and the damage it could cause. We don't even have the impression of being in one of the poorest countries in Africa here. But when all these people rise up, you'll see what it'll bring. The lack of work is a block to progress for young women like Salamba, who sits quietly on a bench in Tiroir-sur-Mer. Her attempts to leave ended in a shock when she found out how much a passage to Europe cost. At that time, I thought it was free. But when I arrived, I was told that the transport was 400,000 or 500,000, but I had nothing in my pocket at that time. Those attempts made her realize that leaving wasn't going to necessarily be the answer to her dreams. Now, Salamba just wants an opportunity to put her skills to good use, she told our reporter, Emmanuel. It's not worth it, because leaving without qualifications is a waste of time. And today, what are you doing? Today, I'm not doing anything. I'm here. I'm only in training. I did a training course on electricity, on optical cabling. I did the processing of fishery products and baking. And have you found work? No, I'm looking, but I can't find work. Bubakar Say hopes that he can get people like Salamba to rethink what success means and stop believing that Europe is the answer to their prayers. But with job prospects still dire, it will be a long road to success. The main cause of migration in a country like Senegal is extreme poverty. We have to fight against extreme poverty. We have to fight against endemic unemployment. We have to fight against the state and against bad governance, which is obstructing the perspective and future of the most vulnerable. That's the real debate that Africa needs to have. We also have to start fighting against our own socio-cultural references, the things which are holding us back. The notion of techie is all about success. The notion of um-um is all about having or owning. We live in a country where having and owning has more weight against our intrinsic values. When you have nothing, you are nothing. That's why people here think that you have to leave. They see Europe as the future, but Europe is a mirage. We need to break these ideas that people have. 
We've arrived at a scenario where Africa has become this big monster that's essentially killing its youth through illegal migration. And the responsibility lies about 99% with African countries. So African countries have to take on that responsibility and do something. We can also talk about what Europe's doing. But I think first we have to ask Africa to take its responsibility seriously, because the majority of those dying are Africans. You have been listening to the Info Migrants podcast, Tales from the Border. Reporting from Senegal was from Emmanuel Londe. Production and presentation was by me, Emma Wallace, and editing was from Marion McGregor. Studio production in the DW Studios was by Gert Georgi. The music comes with kind permission from Chinese Man Music in France. Join me for the next episode to find out what it's like on board the Ocean Viking in the Central Mediterranean. For now, thanks for listening. On va vous poser des questions douloureuses. Maîtrisez-vous. Soyez tranquille. On ne peut rien vous faire pour l'instant.